2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and we are closing in on the on the end of the first season of the Death of Life podcast. It feels like it's been a long time, but it also doesn't feel like it's been a long time. And we're in September, which is one of the, you know, a crazy month. If you've been hearing the stories from this podcast, a lot of stuff happened in September two, two years ago, 2019. Um, and so, man, it's just, I'm getting all the feels thinking about this. Today's podcast is with my girl, Lorraine, and I've known Lorraine since January, but that's my sister. And she has a powerful, powerful story. And it is not for young ears, um, but there's so much life in it, but there's quite a bit of death in it. Um, sometimes there's a, sometimes we got to get through the death so the life can be that much sweeter. Um, but that's the podcast that is coming up right now. And I cannot, it, it is one of my favorite ones. And maybe it's just because Lorraine is one of my favorite people. And I mean, I love all of them. And this one's no different. So that's the podcast you're about to listen to is Lorraine. I wanted to make an announcement. Some people, I just got a couple messages this week about people wanting to know what music is on the podcast. They're just like, man, who is that artist? Who is it? And it's actually uh, my boy, Christian Aparicio. And he is, I don't know what episode, he's probably one of, in one of the first 10 episodes. And the first song that uh, I'm playing in the intro it's called Por Ahí, and it is his song that he kind of does a little reggaeton and a little hip-hop in it. The last song uh, that plays at the end is called Outsiders, and I used to have that one in the beginning, and then I had a song that he has called Made For. It used to be the intro, but Made For, Outsiders, and Por Ahí are his, uh, his tracks, and I love them all. And I think you should look him up on Spotify, uh, Apple, iTunes, or whatever. Title, YouTube, check out the music videos. And uh, check out 
Christian Aparicio. He goes by Negrito Santito on Instagram. So that's Negrito Santito if you're looking for it. Um, and I'm constantly tagging him in my stuff. So, uh, so check out that. But also just listen to this podcast. Daggum. It's dope to to overuse a word that I overuse. Um, but that all being said, let's start in this mug. I think it's the longest one that we've had. But it's not boring. It it you will listen. Uh may I, I you you won't even be bored if you listen to it on regular speed. I promise you. Uh anyway. Buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? And as we talk about it this morning, um, we just ask that it is clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So where do we, uh, I don't remember where we started the last one. What did we start with? I don't even remember. Where? Let's not uh, even think about it. Where do we want to start today? <laughs> uh, really, just my background, like how I grew up and... Where'd you grow I, up? I, based, I grew up in Michigan. I was in Michigan for half of my life. And then I ended up in Virginia for a little bit. But um, I was my mom was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And she raised my sister and I for a while on her own mm-hmm. in, in Michigan. And uh, yeah, I, I really think it was a miracle even just being born because there were so many things where my mom told me, she was like, you just shouldn't have happened. <laughs> and I did. I'm here. It was, it's really, there were so many miracles um, where being here. So can't really get into that, but it's just really cool how um, my mom, she when she was holding me in her arms, and it took her a few days to like actually love me. She's like, when I had your sister, man, I just, I fell in love with her immediately, but you, when you were born, it took me a few days and I was <laughs> like, like oh, thanks. oh yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool story. No, it was, it was, it was great because, um, I know that through certain struggles, through certain difficult times, what ends up happening is you grow. And, and so I'm like, oh, so mom, what you're telling me is that I built your character. I made you a better person <laughs> because I was a difficult child for sure. Growing up, uh, just really feisty. And, uh, there was this one time with my mom, I, I was so mad at her about something and I ended up, she said no 
about something. I was really frustrated. And I ended up going and getting her favorite picture of me and going in front of her and being like, oh, yeah, and ripping it in half. And then dropping it and walking away. And my mom said, she was like, that day, literally, I wanted to kill you. But I just did not do a thing. I I just sat there and did not move because I was so mad. (laughs) That's a savage Um, move. Yeah, it was. It was. And you know what was even more savage? My mom taped that picture up. She put it back in the frame. She put it in a frame and she told that story to everybody. (laughs) And she still has that picture framed. She's like, it's still my favorite photo. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So your mom, did, uh, was your dad in your life growing up? Yeah. So, um, my biological dad, um, I don't really remember as far as I know, he came into my life more when I was like three years old, roughly. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I started to get to know him over the years. Um, he lived on the other side of the state. So, um, in Novi, Michigan, he, he lived over there. And so he would come visit me, um, on the weekends occasionally. And I think it's like once or twice a, a month, he would drive over and see me. And so I did start to build a relationship with him. Um, I think when I went to go see him, I would always come back even more feisty. And my mom was like, what is wrong with you? And I, I think I, I questioned if uh, if he loved me. And so I was always on my best behavior when I was with him. And then I would come home and I'd, and I'd like let out all of this angst of disobedience that I really wanted to do the whole time. I just put it on my mom because I was like, oh, my mom reg- loves me regardless. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about her love, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, that, that was actually just pretty, uh, yeah, my mom just basically was just, she always felt like, why are you always so rough with me? And, you know, it's cause I knew she loved me, so it didn't matter. So, but were, yeah, I did know my dad. Were you, were you yeah, like sure. a, a tough, a tough ornery little girl? Oh yeah. I mean, hundred percent. And I, I was, I was in sports. I was just totally, yeah, I was a fighter for sure. Um, all throughout my life, even now I'm a fighter. My (laughs) name. I've never seen that version of you. I've only seen like, oh, super happy, super just free. I, I haven't seen like, um, it's amazing what Jesus does to you. <laughs> I'm totally different, but we won't get into that yet. It's amazing. So you're growing up, you're a little feisty, a little ornery. Um, was, uh, was God a part of your life as a kid? Um, not really until I was like 12. My, so my mom ended up getting married um, to my stepdad. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was the, he was the person that brought like our family to church. And so I started getting plugged into a local church here in in Grand Rapids and started getting plugged into the youth group. And I actually wasn't super popular at all. Like I was the oddball out. I didn't really have any friends, but I still wanted to go to this youth group, even though I got picked on and people didn't really like me. Um, I 
felt like that was when I started to see God calling me into like to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at the time I didn't know, but I just was drawn to this Wednesday night youth group event that happened every week. And, um, even though I was alone, I went, I begged my mom to take me. Um, and so, yeah, when that was kind of how I started, like in my relationship with God is starting to go to this, this church and this youth group. And then I ended up, we ended up moving because my stepdad was in the military. And so right after nine 11 happened, we moved to Virginia and I lost all my friends. I was really upset about it because um, I had three really close friends and they were just as mischievous as I was, honestly. Like, uh, had I stayed in Michigan, who knows where I'd be right now? I mean, there were things that we were doing at 11 and 12 years old that we shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and had I stayed in Michigan, the trajectory of my life would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, still, God would have been, I know God would have been calling me um, and talking to me and, and pursuing me. But um, it would have definitely been a different path. But I ended up, instead of having these super influential friends in my life, I ended up moving to Virginia, going to a Christian school, which mm-hmm. um, I didn't know how to read until I was in second grade, the end of my second grade. And so because I didn't know how to read, um, when I started going to this Christian school, I was in a Bible study class. And when I was in the Bible study class, my first day, my teacher told me to stand up in front of the class and read something in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what book or chapter it was, but it had a lot of funky names. And I didn't even know how to pronounce regular words, let alone these ones. And so I was standing there for a really long time, really struggling through this whole chapter mm-hmm. and um, super embarrassed. But that Bible study teacher, she took me to the side at the end of the class and she basically built a relationship with me throughout that year. And that was another time where I was just like, God was pursuing me and mm-hmm. showing me his love because this woman was different than anybody I had ever met. She just was vibrant. She was like this light and just really loving, but I didn't under, I mean, I didn't really understand it cause I hadn't seen it before. And so I just wanted what she had. And so that was actually the beginning of what, being like, yeah, I want a relationship with God. Yeah, I believe that Jesus died for me and that he forgave my sins. And, oh, my goodness, I want, I, want, I want what she has, so I'll do this. And then as I went through middle school and into high school, I saw my friends and I'm like, my, well, that's a Christian school and these people are su- supposedly Christian, so this is what Christian people do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like just followed what Christian people did and um, didn't really get into the word, um, but just paid attention to my environment. And um, yeah, I, I started getting plugged into my youth group at church, which was really awesome. And what happened there was, I mean, I, w- I went through a stage where I was in high school and basically there was there was something that happened and then my parents decide to take me out of that high school and bring me to a, um, 
take me to a different school or have me go enroll into a different school. And the different school was the rival school to that one. And I was Mm. in sports and I I was actually a freshman in high school on the varsity team playing with my sister who was a senior at the time. And I was very involved in sports and really good. I was super athletic. So um, when I left the school to go to the rival school, I lost all my friends because they just didn't want, they, they thought that I was abandoning them. I was mm. really good in sports and I was just going to go to this rival school and play well there. And that wasn't cool. So then I went to the rival school and they didn't want me there. They didn't want anything to do with me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I struggled, I struggled making friends. Um, and so I decided that I was going to start going to uh, the youth group and my sister, she said, Lorraine, you really need to like suck it up. She told me some hard truth. I, I was like really whining about the fact that I had no friends and she just told it to me like she always does with truth and honesty, brutal honesty. And she's just like, you need to suck it up and just like make friends at this church, you know? And I, cause I thought I was like, oh, they have their own cliques and I, I'm not going to get along with anybody just like school and so I decided, you know, I was going to listen to her and um, don't tell her that. <laughs> listen to her and then go to the this youth group. And man, it, it was awesome because, again, it was like through that struggle, God was still pursuing me, still speaking into my life and showing me he loved me. And uh, I didn't I didn't see it like that at the time, but it helped me to grow in my relationship with him. I started reading the Bible and um, I started actually walking out this relationship with God for what I knew it to be at the time. Um, and yeah, youth group was incredible. That, that was life changing. I, I went to a bunch of youth events like camps and stuff. And yeah, it was, it was a, the best part of high school for me. So who, who was God at this point? He was still just like a loving father at this point. You're meeting him and he's just like, yeah, I love you when you're in this youth group. Uh, so God was, at the time, I wouldn't say, have said this, but God was distant. I, it wasn't, he wasn't tangible. Not that he was distant, but I knew that God loved me. I knew that he was trustworthy and faithful and, and that I was made in his image and he sent his son to die for me. I knew those things, but like, tangibly speaking, I didn't, I hadn't, it hadn't gone from my head to my heart. Mm. I hadn't experienced his love. And I thought I would, you know, not to be hard on my stepdad or on my biological dad, but like, I never knew, like, I never thought that I would be able to understand the true love of our heavenly father because um, of the experience I had with my two earthly fathers. Hmm. And so that was a lie that I believed for a long time was, you know, you just, you just aren't going to get it, Lorraine, until you go to heaven. Hmm. But you were kind of comfortable with that because you thought that's kind of how it works. Yeah. I thought, oh, well, like that, you're not going to get that, you know, you're not going to understand this God that's in heaven you know, he's not, he's with you, but you're like, you can't see him and feel him and hear him and touch him, you know? So. Hmm. 
So then what happened uh, at the youth group that was so, was it just the community? Was it just the, like, and it was there, like, it's for a good reason that you grew so much? Yeah, I ended up being a part of this. I ended up being a leader. I was in the youth group band. I I started being a leader in this, um, in these Bible studies where it was like they had older youth group um, students leading the younger ones. Mm-hmm. So that really challenged me to get in the word and to, to grow in my relationship with God. But it was still at that point for very performance based. Like I didn't think that if I didn't, if I didn't prepare, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm just going to fail this. And, you know, and that was on me. And that really changed my, like, I just had a lot of pressure and weight. It wasn't like a relationship. Like I, I was having a relationship with God as much as I knew to have a relationship with God, but there were just all these lies I was believing in the process of trying to understand who I was trying to understand that I was loved regardless of maybe procrastinating or, or whatever I did, if I did something wrong. I feel like God gets compartmentalized. Like, like God says all of these things and we probably don't really know what he says. We probably know the main stories and then we know the gospels are like, Jesus said some crazy things, but we don't understand that like, I mean, I didn't understand any of this stuff up until a few years ago. And so how could I, like I knew that I should do better because of Jesus, but I didn't know everything he had done and put in me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I it was. I think it has a lot to do with, you know, we have this thing, we have freedom in Christ, and we have, you know, peace and joy and just all the spiritual blessings from the heavenly realms. But we then grow in those things. We don't realize. I don't think I realized what I had until later on right. you know so it was it wasn't my reality until i believed in what he had done for me and given me right so i walked out you know thinking that i couldn't i walked out thinking that i was everything that i had done and everything that had been done to me and that my identity was was that um, the biggest lie I believed was my my value, and so. What was I'll, your value I'll, in your mind? I wasn't valuable, but in order, like my value fluctuated based on what I did, like how hard I worked to be valuable. So if I stopped working to be valuable, then I wasn't valuable. Hmm. Um, and in when I was younger. I actually experienced um, abuse from someone close to me. Mm-hmm. I was sexually abused for many years. And so, um, you know, nobody knew what was going on in my life. And the lies in that um, situation that I was believing, I mean, I was a young child 
trying to navigate abuse and understand the love of a heavenly father. Mm. That was, that wasn't like, why God, why, why would you allow this to happen to me for so many years? You know, I must not actually be valuable. Um, Did, okay. So this is a, what I hear, what people say about being abused. It makes you feel like you're not a clean person. Um, is that your experience or like, was it more just like, I guess that is guilt. Was the guilt heavy, even though you were the abusee and not the, uh, the abuser? Uh, yeah, I, I felt guilty because I was silent. I didn't say anything. I felt powerless because I didn't speak up. I did not feel courageous by any means. Um, and then I think it's just all rooted in value. Like if, if, if the enemy can layer on the lies when it comes to the realm of like value, there's so many layers like guilt. If you feel guilty, your value gets demoted. If you feel like powerless, you don't have as much value. And so it's that, that was, those lies are layered on me as a child, as I was growing and learning about the world, as like, you're not valuable, Lorraine, at all. And in order to be valuable, you need to work. You need to like, be good at school, do good at sports. And all the other things that I would try to do to earn my value. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I think you're just kind of making up for, for lost, for lost time. Like if I'm really good at sports, then maybe that can cover some of this other stuff or I've got to Mm -hmm. try extra hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just, yeah. Sometimes when we try to break down deception Sometimes that's an exercise in futility because it's just a lie. It's just built on a lie. Like why we can say that we believe the lie, but the reason why we believe the lie is because the lie sounds really true. It doesn't sound like a lie. It's a part of our experience and it's, it's really like we feel it. We feel the lie. We see the lie all around us. So how is it not true? And then when we hear truth, because the lie sounds so familiar, real, the truth sounds foreign. Mm-hmm. And you hear that with so many people's stories. When they hear the truth, they're like, what? And defensiveness happens because I think there's like a level of pride in it. It's like when you don't know when you haven't experienced that, how can that be true? So you defend, even though the lie is so gross and is wrecking your life, you defend it. Mercy. Like, for example, um, the way I would defend it is like, oh, I'm just always going to be a sinner. I'm just always going to be like sinning in my life. So 
and I know that Jesus died for me. And yeah, like I don't want to sin, but it's it's in my nature. And so I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, and if somebody were to tell me no, like basically, how's that hat going? <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Keep going. <laughs> you're saying something important, and I'm like messing with my aunt. Keep going. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, my ADD's kicking in, so I had to, well, I had to say something. <laughs> this is a attention deficit disorder podcast because we're both like that. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. Like, I if somebody were to tell me that I'm fr- I was free from sin, I would have gotten defensive and been like, "But you know, like, yeah, it says that in the Bible." And it says that Jesus put it to death for me, but I'm not going to fully experience that until I go to heaven because I still have this sinful nature. And I would have defended that thinking I was right, but there was just pride because of my circumstances, because of how I felt in that, in that moment, because I couldn't overcome sin and I was trying to overcome sin on my own. Hmm. So, so when you're going through high school and you're going through this youth group, um, was outside of this guilt and powerless feeling that you felt from being abused. Um, was there other sin in your life that you're like, oh, now I'm having to deal with this? Or were you were you doing what you, you were doing your best in your mind? Honestly, I felt like in comparison to the people around me, because I did a lot of comparing, I was like, oh man, I'm pretty good. Solid. I'm doing pretty good. You know, like... In my life, I, I kept secret the abuse for mm-hmm. years and years and years. And that was something that I felt ashamed of. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really struggle. And I didn't even realize I was struggling with value. I just, there were products of my belief in my lack of value which was like anxiety. I had a ton of anxiety. I was super clingy. I didn't want to ever be alone. Um, I was constantly worrying. Uh, I think that that all those things were a product of the belief that I had about myself. And so I ended up, um, you know, just staying busy. And I was like, oh, I'm doing good. Like, as long as I stay busy and Mm-hmm. and stay in sports and do school and work hard, you know, I'll be fine. You know, I'll get through high school and go to college. And so, but I, yeah, I basically, I, I stay plugged into my youth group. Um, I made some really close friends. I actually met this guy in youth group when I think we were like 15. He was 15. I was 16 years old. And um, I met him at one of the like camps that we went to. I can't remember what that was called but the camp but anyways it was a big big event we would go to every summer for our youth group and i saw him worshiping one night at uh in the in one of the night events and um i was beside him and i was like sing louder lorraine so he knows how godly you are how how close you have a relationship with god you know (laughs) so i was singing trying to get this dude's attention and and um like a year or so went by and we actually became friends later on. And he was, all the girls liked him. I mean, I remember that night at camp, the girls talking about him, you know, this, this guy, he's like, he's 
super funny and cute and this and that. And my friend ended up dating him for a while. And then after they were done dating, I started hanging out with him and we were both in the youth group band. And so, um, the more time we spent together, I just, I always laughed with him and it was, man, our relationship was so fun and just, we were just so young and innocent and, um, we loved our relationship with God. Like I had been growing a lot and he was growing a lot. And so that was huge in our, in our friendship. And I had a huge crush on him. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it was funny because I remember we, we talked at Starbucks for like four or five hours. And I was like, it's so great when, you know, you can have a friend, a guy friend, and you can have like a girlfriend that, um, we, there's no, no no expectations. We could just be friends. Like we don't have to like each other. But like secretly, I was like, I love you. That's the move. That's the move. I've done that move. I don't like to yeah. play games. I'm not here to play games. You know, I just wanna just wanna be your friend. Also, I love you. And we, let's have several babies. But you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and so. um we ended up dating. He was my first boyfriend. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I, did, I did date a guy for like a week prior. Doesn't so count. I don't count that. Doesn't count. Nope. Thank you. I, I don't include that. Not official. Um, it wasn't Facebook official, so it, it, Facebook didn't exist, but still. It didn't, it didn't exist. So you're good. <laughs> well, it almost existed. I think it was like a, a couple months in. We didn't know about it. Oh, you were, he, was so. he in your top eight on MySpace? Oh, he was on MySpace and I was on MySpace. I don't, I don't remember the platform of MySpace very well, but I for sure remember going on his MySpace and being like, what music does he listen to? Okay. You know, because this is an aside because we both have attention deficit. Um, what song played when I would go to your MySpace page? Do you remember what song you had blasting? <laughs> I don't know. I think Super Chick. That's a Christian band, right? Super Chick. Yeah. And you were the Christian yeah. girl. It was like, I was like, I feel like super chick. It's like sad. Yeah. There's hope for the future. You know, she was just like a, it was kind of like Christian emo. Like it, it wasn't emo, but it was sad, you know? Like, yeah. That's the kind of music I listen to. And that's still the music I listen to. Even now when I listen to Christian music, it's not sad, but it's like, really slow and like uh, yeah i get all in my feel it's, it's it's still the same but it's just different lyrics and it's truth instead of like i'm so sad i am right there my wife is always like why are you watching that movie i'm like because it's sad and i just want to feel <laughs> stop trying me stop trying to stop me from feeling stop it i know i just want to feel I'm- all the feels yeah, that's how I am when I watch the movie, which is one of my favorites, About Time. I love that movie so much. Is it's it just, just like heartbreaking? Such... Uh, it, it's heartbreaking. It's funny, but it's it's got a good like concept, and it's it makes it challenge. It makes you think about your day and and valuing each day. Hmm. Man, it's so good. Go watch it. Go okay, watch it. Rich. I'm check it out. So you meet this guy. You Go start cry. dating. He. It's a. It's not the first one. Wasn't official. This one's official. How did yeah, how did how did that go? Official. 
Yeah. So uh, it went good. It went good. I um, a little backstory. Actually, go back. I, I actually tried to set him up with my friend, even though I liked him, which was a bad move. So I don't know what doing? I was thinking. I don't even. And then <laughs> don't say that. I don't know what you were thinking. Just go for it. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking either. But anyways, um, then when realizing that I ended up lying to him and talking about MySpace, I told him that she had put in a relationship on her MySpace. And he was like, what? And he went to her MySpace and it didn't show it. And he was like, I don't see it. And I was like, oh, she must have removed it. Well, then when I was playing basketball and they were both at my basketball game, he was like, why would you put in a relationship on your MySpace? And she's like, I didn't. And so I actually lost that friendship because I lied. And I was a, I was really big. I lied a lot in high school. I lied a lot. You were it a liar? my biggest struggle. Yeah, a liar and a cheat. I cheated in my, like, um, I cheated so much in high school, like on paperwork and uh, like on homework and tests. And like, I plagiarized and I felt, and there was this, uh, person that came in cause it was a Christian school, this person that came in and, and did like a talk during chapel. Mm-hmm. And when they were doing the talk, I just realized like, oh my gosh. I lie about everything and I need to confess. I need to like confess not only to God, but I need to confess to my teachers. I need to tell them I've been cheating for three years. <laughs> so like when you wrote your of mice and men essay, like you uh, just stole it from the internet or something. Yeah. Or, or what I would do is just, yeah, pretty much. I would, I would like, copy paragraphs and then paraphrase the paragraph by by searching synonyms for certain words <laughs> so none of it was my words and but it was more like the tests and stuff i would cheat on and so you um, would cheat in class on a test how would you, how would that go how would you do it i don't remember but it was definitely the only class i remember not cheating in was one of my um history classes because the teacher was so hardcore. I was terrified that if I cheated in one of her classes, she would punish me. And so, uh, and, and I knew other people would punish me, but I didn't, other teachers would, but I didn't think it would be to the extent of her. And so I never cheated in her class. Um, and so any, anyways, when I went back to, when I, when I got out of that chapel, I was so convicted. I actually went to my friend and told her, I'm really sorry I lied about to, to this guy about you guys being in a relationship. And she was like, I still don't want a friendship with you. Cause I had lied my way out of that whole situation. Um, and, and then I was like, I need to apologize to her and I need to confess that I did lie. And she asked me, she's like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, and I didn't. And then I went to all my teachers except for that history teacher. Cause I'd never cheated in her class. And I told every teacher that I cheated and what I cheated on. And they could have held me back a year, honestly. And every single teacher forgave me. And I felt like a whole weight had been lifted off of me. And I went and told this guy that I had lied to him. And he he forgave me too. And he's like, never lie to me again. And I was like, I won't. I won't ever lie to you again. Did you lie to him again? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. So, but yeah, that guy, 
I ended up dating him in college, and we we dated for four four and a half years, and then we got married. You got married. Yeah, wild. So and um, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Well, I mean. You were about to tell me what it was like, and I'm such an excellent interviewer that I was I was going to say, what was that like? <laughs> I'm really good at this. <laughs> so you, you are, keep you going. Are, you're great at this. Yeah, you keep you're going. Great. Um, yeah. So being married, like we, it actually before we even got married, to backtrack a little bit, we had really been struggling with boundaries. Like we were close, um, always hanging out with each other, went to college together. Um, and both of us, I don't think we're really taught, you know, how to have boundaries Mm -hmm. and how to, um, like our goal was to not have sex before marriage and, Mm -hmm. and to just, um, stay pure, not only, you know, you know, physically, but in our minds and man, we struggled with that, our whole dating relationship, Hmm. I think like once we started kissing and we didn't kiss at the beginning, like I didn't want to kiss at first. And then we started kissing, like I think four or five months into our relationship, which is a long time yeah. in comparison to other people. But then um, it was on other. <laughs> yeah. And then you just kissing leads to so much more. And I mean, so um, we really struggled with that. And then I just felt convicted the whole time. Like I just, my relationship with God was up and down, up and down based on if I messed up with my boyfriend. And that's so that many, really made me, that's so many of our stories. Yeah. Cause it's like this yeah. great thing. It's this good thing, like relationships. And it's like, I'm not convinced that we should have gotten married like at 14. So maybe that's, this is like a crazy way to think, but like, you you don't know how to control yourself. Your hormones are racing and you're out of the home and you're not supposed to get married unless you can financially, you know, take care of yourself. But then mm-hmm. you're really tempted to do all this stuff and then you're by yourselves and then you feel awful and then the girl blames the guy. The guy's like, hey, you know, it's just... And it's that's all, how guys talk. Yeah, that's how I used to explain it. My bad. And then... And then you just feel the guilt and you feel like you're a bad person. And then the next day you're, but you kind of want to. And then how awful is that? Just a cycle. Yeah. It's continual. And I, I told, I ended up telling him, I was like, if we mess up one more time, we need to split up. And we messed up and I didn't want to split up because I didn't want to be alone. And I was really clingy and, and really dependent upon this person. And so I didn't want to break up. And he's like, no, you need to follow through with your word. And so we split up. <laughs> he's he like, I did that to break it. up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he was having his own doubts at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, we broke up several times during that time. And we, we fought all the time. We were constantly fighting. What were you fighting about? <sighs> Nothing. You think I remember any of those fights? No. I think this is what you were fighting about. You wanted to be loved and valued and you didn't feel like it. And so you would nag him. Am I wrong? 
Yeah. And what do you think he was? He was probably the same way, but in a, di- but a different display of it. Yeah. Or, and then he's getting pushed away or he's pushing you away. And then he's upset that you position him. It's all feelings and self-centeredness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was totally focused on me. I would say at the time I would have said, you know, oh no, I, I think about him and I care about him and I love him. But all my actions were very much focused on me. So, yeah, and I'm not throwing you under the bus or throwing and saying Come on, throw it's me just under like the bus. it's just like two self-centered people trying to navigate life while being less self-centered than the other person. And we don't talk about these things. But if you're less self-centered, then you can be on your high horse and say, "Well, I'm not thinking about me." And I mean, like, it's all, it feels gross just to talk about it because, I mean, we've all been there. And I say we all because I have. I Hopefully you weren't, if you're listening. I've been there. Okay. Both of us have been but We're both yeah. ADD and we've both been there with this situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's our attention deficit disorder. God did this. That's He made me self-centered. Um, but yeah, it's tough. So like you guys fought a lot were did fought a lot. my mom always told me if like a fight leads to being closer then that's okay and so then if we if natalie and i would fight and we didn't feel closer at the end like i would will us to feel closer i'm like <laughs> no we gotta feel closer after this and she's like you're you're nuts like like yeah. relax it's fine but i was so worried no i was i was taught that uh, not taught. I, I thought if, as long as I fight and I don't quit, like fighting's okay, but just don't quit. Yeah. You know, fighting is normal. And that was kind of what I saw, you know, for the most part, it was like a lot of bickering, mm-hmm. a lot of fighting. Um, and so I was just like, Oh man, I'm bound to fight. It's in just another generational thing. I'm just going to, like, I didn't want to. I would even say, like, I don't want to be the couple that fights all the time. But I'm so mad at you. Let's talk about this. <laughs> you know? And so we, we fought just constantly. And that, and, I, and the physical boundaries that we kept breaking, like, I just would get so upset with myself. And that caused even more tension. And I think that was what caused us to fight even more. But then we then we got married and honestly like the fighting continued i mean we were like oh yeah we can have sex now we can be you know do whatever and at the same time it was just we still had a lot of issues so looking back oh. and now it's easy to look back and you probably didn't notice at the time did you bring a lot of the baggage from the guilt into your marriage um from my abuse Either that or the you trying not to fool around and not succeeding. Uh, I don't think so, but it might have been so so subtle that I didn't even realize it. I mean, I think, again, another layer of that lie of value, another layer of, oh, you're not valuable or you like, look at you because my value is based on my work. So look at you, Lorraine. You didn't follow through on your word. You didn't follow through on your actions, on what you said. And so you messed up. So your value is demoted. 
So, but, but, but then, I could I could always earn it back a little bit, maybe. But then there's also cool. the getting the value from somebody wants to be with you physically. So, oh yeah. Well, this person it, it wants to catch twenty two, man. I felt so like what I knew to be loved and and valued. It's like this person wants to be with me. This so, person chooses me. So, so I have like, value. But God doesn't so see me as valuable because I went against what he wanted. Yeah. So in the moment, I felt valued and valuable. But then when I was alone, I was like, I didn't feel valuable because I wasn't following my values. Right. <sighs> so this is interesting. So you're in a marriage and the fights yeah. are... They're they're not they're amping up or just staying the same like. Yeah, honestly, it was the same. I think we we had times where we fought more than not, you know. But um, I think that throughout my marriage, I had just I had believed a lot of things that weren't true and brought it into my marriage and. Um, I was just really believing that I was like, I was lonely. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was worried. All the things prior, I felt even more so actually in my marriage. Um, because I thought that getting married was going to fix things. Oh, how could you possibly feel lonely when you're married? You're with somebody that somebody has chosen you until death do you part. So like, why would you feel lonely and and why would you feel anxious in that relationship or depressed and and you know unfortunately people think that getting married is going to fix a lot of things and it just didn't i mean it's not like it got worse but it didn't get better um and i just thought that i would always have to struggle through life like this that this was this was my reality. This was my norm. And this was just the way it was going to be. And I couldn't wait. Like, I didn't want to die. But I was like, I want to be in heaven, because everything's better in heaven. You know, you said it doesn't get worse, maybe. I would argue that being in a marriage that's lonely is much lonelier than being by yourself and being lonely. Because... Oh, yeah. It's not supposed to be that way. And you know that. So you're like, not yeah. only am I still lonely, but my marriage is whack. And so you're like, no. Where if you're lonely by yourself, well, you're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm lonely because I'm just alone. I'm lonely because I'm alone. Yeah. And now I'm alone in this house with the same person or this person. And I don't want to be with them and they don't want to be with me. Um, yeah. And then you're like fighting that where you're like, but. But we can't be like that, so we need to figure it out. Got to, got to make it better. How to do it? Well, and, I do not know. Yeah. Well, in in the process of me living out of like scarcity mm-hmm. and lack, I would, I I was blaming myself, but then I was also like, oh, let me blame my husband too, mm-hmm. and I. I positioned him 
in so many things. And I put identity over him in so many ways that weren't actually true. I, I like, I have thought back on so many times that I've said, I said some awful things to him that I just didn't even realize that I had said. Don't give me the most awful, but give me an example. Cause I've gone on here and I say what I used to say to Natalie and people are like, before, <laughs> like, they're just like, what? And I'm just like, yeah, I really believed well, it I, too. I think the difference is because the difference in you being able to do that versus me is I don't have permission from that oh, person. Oh, that's true. That's true. My versus, bad. No, and that's all good. Like, so... But, like, what did you um, actually think about, like, you just thought, oh, this person is lazy or this person is whatever? Yeah, I... I okay, so something I would, I would say and think is, like, he wasn't disciplined. Hmm. That's I mean, that's, that's something. Like, oh, he just not disciplined like don't do what you say you're gonna do what like i wasn't doing what i thought i was gonna do you know like but i would position him in in such a way and i would put that as an identity on him and i would shame him and i didn't even realize i was doing that i didn't realize i was shaming him i just was like if i tell him what he's doing wrong then maybe he'll fix it yeah but but it only validated what he believed and it, it caused him to sabotage like, hmm. because he was believing what I was speaking into his life and he, I didn't even need to speak it into his life. He's probably believing it to get to the get go to begin with, but I then validated it. So I'm like put, put roots into that lie so that it couldn't be uprooted. And you thought and that I was going to help. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize what I was doing, but yes, I thought, I thought if he knew, well, how can you not change? Because I, if I know that I'm doing something wrong, then I'm going to go do something about it. Because if I love, this is what I would think in my head. I love him. So if he were to tell me something that I'm doing wrong, then I would work on it and I would fix it and I would listen to him. But what that really was, was me working to be valuable. Hmm. And I didn't see myself as valuable. So if he said that, I was, oh, well, I'm not valuable, but now I know how to be more valuable or to be valuable. So I'll work on that. And so I was thinking that because of how I operate and how I process things, that of course, if he, if he lo- really loved me and I told him this thing that he was doing wrong, he would change and he would work on being better. Well, we have so much in common because like, that's what I've said. Like, and when you say it now, it's, 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 it sounds awful because it is awful. Like you really, you, you don't understand yourself. You don't understand your motives. You don't understand what you're doing. So you think what you're doing is coming from this good place, but it's coming from lack. And you need them to be a certain way for you to love them back. Because if you actually love them, you wouldn't require anything or you wouldn't have any expectations for them. You would just steward your heart and love for them. But because you don't know that, you need them to be a certain way. And when they're not, you're going to shame them into being that way because... You would do it. You would love them. Yeah. 
And it's, well, and at that time, I thought I knew what love was, but I hadn't really received love. I had been loved by God immensely by the author of love. He loved me and gave me more value than I could even comprehend. But I wasn't, I hadn't received that. And so because I hadn't received that, I was living in the reality of scarcity and lack. Hmm. And so, yeah, I needed validation and affirmation from the people around me. I used them as a source of getting through life and getting by. But, I mean, nobody on this earth Nobody on this earth can really satisfy that craving. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, and I was expecting him to satisfy it. And I had an expectation of that's what marriage is like. Like, we are supposed to be 50 50 in on this, like, yeah. willing to compromise and. Like my foundation was of my marriage was a lot of lies. And so then what happened? You know, like I built on this really sandy, not firm at all foundation and I'm expecting positive results, you know, like a happy marriage. No. Hmm. Sorry. I don't know if you can hear that, but there's construction happening outside. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. So then what were the results? What happened? So um, I will say that throughout my marriage, I ended up being, it's really hard. Sorry. It's hard to like articulate what exactly happened because something big happened. So I, was feeling really lonely and I was believing that my husband, you know, was in the wrong and that I was mostly right. So I justified in my head building relationships with other men outside of my marriage. Um, And as I, and they were, you know, from the get go friendships, just friendships. Mm-hmm. And there was this one friendship that I had over Messenger. This person doesn't live in Michigan. And as I reconnected with this person that I had known when I was in high school, I started, you know, having more and more conversations with him and really connecting with him and not feeling so lonely. And um, I had definitely had an emotional affair with this person Mm -hmm. and we sent each other, you know, photos and videos and it was not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And I was unfaithful to my husband Mm -hmm. and, and I justified it. I justified it so hard. Mm. Um, and I decided, I was like, you know, if like when it comes to technology, this stuff could get out. He could find out my husband. So I was so anxious and so fearful one day 
realizing that it could get out without me telling him that I called him while he was at work. I was like, I am having a panic attack and I need you to come home and I need to talk to you about something. And he's like, Lorraine, I'm at work. Like, I'll, you know, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be okay. Like, I didn't think I was going to be okay. I wanted to die. Hmm. Like, I did not want to live because I knew I had hurt this person that had been so loyal to me hmm. and that had had gone through, at this point, 11 years of life, 10 years of life with me. Mm-hmm. And I had totally betrayed him. Hmm. And I didn't even, I didn't know what I was going to do, but yeah, I took off work that day. I just could not, I couldn't stop thinking. And so I decided I was going to tell him. And I, I did. I told him. Um, I had deleted the whole conversation. And so he was really upset because he wasn't able to like see what what was said and what was posted and shared and stuff. Um, and I was I didn't want him to because I was just so terrified of like losing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had actually like been talking to this guy prior and he had been he started saying certain things to me that weren't appropriate and so I actually told him I couldn't talk to him anymore um, and then told my husband about it and said I wasn't going to talk to him anymore and then I did and then like he reached back out to me this guy and I did start talking to him again um, even after the initial conversation yeah and so even more betrayal Like my husband, he was just like, how can I even trust you? You said you weren't going to do this. And then you went back and did it again. And after, after I did all of that, like after I did it again, like I knew that I could potentially do it again, but I was like, oh, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to get in this. Uh, trauma recovery group. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to read books. I'm going to stop being friends with all my guy friends because I had several guy friends at that point. Um, and I'm I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove that I'm trustworthy and that I'm valuable. And oh, was that not true? Like I knew inside that I was going to do it again potentially that I could potentially do it again. But I told them, I was like, I will never do this again. And then coming back to like having expectations, you know, he, he wasn't forgiving me. He was totally devastated. You know, we were sleeping in separate rooms. We just, I mean, I just broke his heart so much, man. Did did you, uh, did you just hate yourself for all of this? Oh Yeah. But also, I just—I still had that justification in the back, in my back corner, which was like, "I've forgiven you; you should forgive me." Mm-hmm. You know, and it was whack. It was so like, what? You going through that cycle of really being sincere and not wanting to do it because you love your husband and you don't want to ruin your marriage. 
And then mm-hmm. also on the other side, wanting to feel valued, wanting to feel all these different things and knowing that you feel that dopamine hit when somebody else says things that they shouldn't be saying to you online, but it makes you feel the same thing that you used to feel when you were before you were married and you would fool around, you'd feel that value, but then you didn't want to do it, but then you did. And it's all oh, a yeah. cycle, right? And it's it so was sad. Very similar feelings. Like this is wrong, but I feel so special. Like this person's like, you were the one that got away. This mm-hmm. guy said this to me. And I'm almost like, Oh, I am me. <laughs> Who me? <laughs> You know, and it was like a cool drink of water in a desert. It felt so good because I was, my cup was empty. But it wasn't, I just want to preface, it wasn't empty because my husband wasn't fulfilling me. It was empty because I was choosing to believe lie after lie after lie. And no human being is ever going to fulfill me. And I believed that a husband should fulfill a wife and a wife should fulfill a husband. And so, again, that's why I didn't feel valuable either, because I wasn't, my husband wasn't happy. The deception is so deep. It's so deep. It's embedded. It's embedded. It's, it's so, it's not just deep. It's like, in, like, like roots it's like created this stronghold and it is literally so embedded and spread out wide that how do you rip it out? It takes literally a miracle. Mercy. When um, a buddy of mine was telling me about, like you look at this person or whoever was that was messaging you Mm -hmm. and they're saying these wonderful things or whatever, and you're feeling all special. But then if you really get down to it, this is a person who is talking to very talking to and being very inappropriate with a married woman. Mm-hmm. And you think, "Oh, but they think this thing about me." But also what they're doing is is deceitful and it's and it's I mean it's I mean, I don't know the words to describe it. But we think, "Well, they're a good person because they're with me." And they're saying something about me. And I remember a friend told me that you know, in, in a relationship that he shouldn't have been in, this person was like, oh, you're, you're wonderful. And this person knew, at least knew that this deception was so crazy. And they're like, I'm not wonderful. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing, like, look at what I'm actually doing. Yeah. Like, I'm not being honest with people in my life because I'm talking to you. And it's like that deception, because it feels so good to feel loved, and it feels so good to feel valued, and we'll go after that, and we'll put everything else on the line mm-hmm. when we don't when we don't feel it. We're we're living sensual sensually. We're living. Everything mm-hmm. is about our feelings, and we'll chase it, and we'll chase it, and we'll chase it. And it's just kind of like Chesterton, this this guy uh, who's an evangelist in England a long time ago. He said, every man that knocks on a brothel door is searching for God. Mm. And it's like, 
we're just searching to be valued. And when we find some kind of value, we're just going to chase it no matter what's in the way. Yeah. Thinking it's our remedy. But there's only one remedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I basically, I, I told him and we spent a year really wrestling with this and going to counseling and, um, and it just, at, at some points we thought it was working and at other points we didn't, but like, I didn't, I wasn't in his hut. He wasn't in mine. We didn't know what we, like how we were really feeling deep down about the relationship. We ended up, um, be, trying to become minimalists, which we did. <laughs> we, we sold like a lot of stuff. We moved into, we, we want to convert a, a shuttle bus uh, into a home and travel and find ourselves and, and heal together. And I mean, we, we did the best we could with what we knew, what we were believing. And, um, when now that happened, he was in the process of getting um, his license to teach yoga. And um, that was actually really great for him. He grew a lot during that time. And I saw a lot of like great things come out of that. Like in him, um, he was, he was flourishing um, during that time. And that was really cool to see, but we were just, we got to a point where we were just fighting and fighting and fighting. And I didn't know why we were just constantly fighting. And, um, I told, I told him, I was like, um, or he told, well, it was very mutual. I will say this. We were just like, Do we just want to be happy. Right. I'm like, yeah, I want to be happy. And he wanted to be happy. We're not happy together. We're just supposed to be happy. Like that's why we were believing. Like we're supposed to be happy. Um, and so we're like, okay, well, if we're not happy together, why don't we be happy for each other apart and happy apart? And so we had had this huge fight and I was like, well, let's, we, we agreed. Let's talk about this in a couple of days. And at that point, um, we talked about it in a couple of days and some other things had come up, um, which he, he was very, being very honest with me about. And I appreciated that. And I was like, wow, yeah, I think we're, I think, yeah, we're done. We need to separate for a bit. And so we did and um, moved out a few weeks later. And man, that, that was a, a, an interesting year. Like the, when we split up, um, I, <laughs> I just could not be alone. I was, I realized how dependent upon, I, dependent I was upon him. And we, when we had split up in college a couple of times, like I had so much anxiety, I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. And I was just a wreck. I was like, it was horrible looking back. I was just, like, I wouldn't tell anybody that because everybody would probably be like, dang, that girl was clingy and needy and oh, like, you know, I was just, I was ashamed of how my body was reacting to not being with him. And then when we split up, when we were married and I was like, we'd been together for 10 years at that point, uh, more than that, 11, 
12 years. I can't remember. Anyways, we were together for so long that when we split up, I just, all those feelings came back and I didn't know how to remedy it. So I started busying myself with work socially. I, I went out a lot. I was, I did as much as I could do. And, um, and this Lorraine, she would tell everybody everything. Like anybody who was willing to listen, listen to my story. Hear me, like, let me explain to you why I'm right. Let me explain to you why I'm justified. Hmm. And, and also, can you please feel sorry for me and validate and unaffirm like my worth and that, and that I'm, I am right. Hmm. And so when I started to do that, I did that with tons of people and I did that with some men and um, there was a guy that, you know, I started just being kind of his plus one to things. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be alone. And this person made me feel special again, just like this other guy that I had that relationship with in my marriage. And, and, um, and at this point, my husband, he, he's, he didn't know what he wanted. He didn't know if he wanted to be with me. And I was like, well, if you're not sure after being with me for this many years, I want to move on. Like, I want to, I want to be with somebody who wants to be with me. Was that supposed to guilt him? Like, oh, you don't even know if you want me? And that's supposed to make him be like, oh, I'm crazy. I do want you. Were you trying to guilt him into it? No, I just, I, in my mind, I just thought to myself, you know, wow, we've been together for all this time and he's not sure if he wants to be with me. Like, that says something. It kind of said something to me. And I was like, and I was trying to understand my value. And I was like, man, if I, I wanted to stick up for myself. So if he doesn't want to be with me, I want, I'm going to be with someone else. I'm going to be with people, not just a guy, but people that want to be with me. I'm not going to give him my time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I ended up um, kissing this guy and I told him, like my husband, I was just like, Hey, you know, I kissed someone and I, I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't want to get back together. Mm. And, and he was devastated. He was really upset. Um, really hurt. How were you feeling? And then I felt so much shame and guilt for kissing this person. Yeah, I felt like that's just another nail in the coffin of my marriage. So were you, when you're telling him this, were you like, I kind of deserve you to leave me? Like, this is what I deserve? Or I didn't think I deserved it. I still, I still was like, I had justified in my head. I believed that, you know, he was wrong in his ways. It had nothing you know, justifying it just then I didn't have to put the blame on myself completely. Yes. I felt guilty and I felt shameful about it, but I was like, Oh, I'm just human, you know, and I'm alone. And, and he, he should know this about me. He should know that, you know, from my history, from everything I told him and that I, that I need him 
And if he doesn't want to be in my life, then I'm going to, I'm going to find somebody else because I need to have people in my life. I'm a people person. So, so that was the, the end right there then. No, that whole year was just up and down. We just weren't sure what we wanted to do. And I gave him ultimatums. I was like, if you do this, this, and this, then I'll, I'll get back together with you. And cause, cause at that point when I said, I don't want to be with him anymore, he, he, wa- he was like, he, he was struggling with it too. And you know, he made certain choices too. And so he's like, he does he didn't know, he still didn't know, but he, he was still like, I, I don't want to let you go. You know, mm. it was very much a wave of, we were just so back and forth. We did not know what to do. I just was so lost. He was so lost and we we're just trying to figure this out. Separation is so weird. It's just weird and it's heartbreaking and it's, it's a difficult thing. And statistically when somebody gets separate and when a couple separates, they do not get back together. It's like a, it's like a very high statistic of like not getting back together. Hmm. And I was told that by a friend who went to therapy with her husband and her therapist said that. And so I was like realizing, Oh yeah, that's why that stat is so true Hmm. because look at, look at my relationship now. And so, um, we just totally disconnected from each other for the most part. Um, and, when that happened, I just, I just thought to myself, God, I, I've done, I tried to do everything right. You know, yeah, my flesh failed me. And yes, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Yes, I, I messed up. But like, I, I did my best to be good and to do the right things. And, and so, like, because I did all the right things, and yet I'm still in this situation, why not do what feels right? Why not do what I want to do? Why restrict myself anymore? Why not see the different perspectives and the different experiences and like, why not go through different experiences and see what happens? Because I didn't trust God. I don't think I ever really trusted God fully. Hmm. Sometimes I would trust him. But like at this point, I was like, I don't know if I trust you at all. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do me, God, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And so I've started wiling out, started drinking and what year is smoking. This? 2019, 2019. So you're just, Lorraine's going to do Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Yep. So did that feel good for a while? Um, I mean, yes and no. I felt like, oh, I'm getting my power back. You know, like I very, I very much took advantage, like, and used men. Um, I had multiple men say that they loved me and that they, um, that they cared about me, and I just discarded them very very quickly for the most part, most of them. Um, and I did not want to connect with them, but I didn't want to be lonely. So like 
come over when I want you to come over and hang out with me. And then, and I never want to be alone. I remember coming home from work and just being like so anxious. I was alone. I didn't want to be home alone. So I would call up all my friends and be like, what are you doing tonight? You got plans? What are you doing tonight? Hmm. And it was, uh, I was just, yeah, I was going out a lot of nights drinking and, um, man, like just numbing myself every way that I could numb, I was doing it. Social media, TV, um, smoking weed, drinking alcohol, having sex, just anything that I could do to not feel the way I felt when I was alone and sober without my phone on me, I would do it. Mm. And it was compounding until um, I remember on my birthday, February 21st is my birthday. And I was pretty sure, yeah, 2020, everything felt, felt like it was just kind of crumbling. I betrayed my very best friend mm-hmm. by um, hooking up with, the guy that she had a close relationship with. Um, I, I felt like, honestly, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm like, how much should I tell about this story? But uh, really, it just shows how much deception I was in. And, and I'm not really like that, that person doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, right. So it's like, why not talk about it, right? So my very best friend, she ended up, you know, being in this relationship with someone and she leaves and she has, um, she has this experience and I don't want to get too much into it, but with this person Mm -hmm. where it really bonded them. Mm-hmm. And in that experience, then she, she leaves and he, he kind of stops talking to her, but he starts to talk to me. And I was really sick, um, in December of 20, uh, 2019, I was really sick and he came and took care of me. And so, um, I ended up like being intimate with him mm-hmm. and now my best friend wasn't with him anymore, but it, like, who does that? Mm. Like this girl has been in my corner since I met her. And yet I like totally betrayed her. Mm. I betrayed my ex-husband. I betrayed my best friend. Who even are you learning? You are a piece of shit. I'm sorry, but that is exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm going to sabotage the rest of my life and and it's all rooted by my abuse and it's all rooted um in just the fact that i need male validation and i will never be free of that i will always need male validation so i i was intimate with this guy i ended up lying to my best friend about it and then telling her the truth so again, that cycle, mm-hmm. 
of lying came back into my life, lying to myself, lying to her. And then after all that happened, I ended up um, on on my birthday. She found out that I had been in contact with this guy Mm -hmm. still. And she totally, she sent me this email. She stopped sharing her location with me. She stopped talking with me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it was a very pivotal moment in my life because I was literally so alone. I have had betrayed the two closest people in my life and I was literally just so alone. I didn't know what to do. Um, And man, like thinking back, just, I was like my, I was so flooded with anxiety, so flooded with uh, despair and hopelessness and just I had no reason to live I didn't want to live I would never I never thought you know about like I thought about committing suicide but I would never like I was like ah, you'll never fall through with that mm-hmm. and I but th- that was the time where I was like I just don't want to live I don't want to kill myself but I I could literally just I just don't want to I want to crawl in a hole and not come back out and, um, so I went, I continued to start hooking up with these more guys, you know, and wasn't talking to my friend and trying to connect with new people and being really, really lost in it all. So that was kind of the bottom and now you're kind of living in the bottom for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, so what happens? We is there some light coming? Is there? Are we getting near the end of oh, the tunnel? Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! I know, right? There's a lot of death in my story, man. But I gotta check on my charger. You're good. Yeah, that just makes the light a little bit, not a little bit, just much brighter. So um, you're making your way through the year. I feel like. Not much has changed. Has not much changed from February to December. Yeah, not all. So not much had changed from February to like September of 2020. Okay. I I basically was just continuing. Like I had made, I had created habits of like going out and and doing my thing, mm-hmm. and so it was just like a part of my life now. Mm-hmm. And I was numb. Mm-hmm. honestly I was just so numb like I it's so crazy because I knew God was pursuing me the whole time but I was just so numb mm-hmm. I had chosen to be numb and I ended up like in September getting my own apartment because I was I was in my sister's basement living in her basement for a while and when I was living in the basement in her basement like um my my stuff was kind of like everywhere, like in boxes. It just I just didn't have like a place to stay and just didn't feel like a home for me mm-hmm. um, or like I belonged there. So I just went to work and came back and went out and came home and slept and then just that cycle. And so um, New Beginnings was I got my own place. Mm-hmm. And when I got my own place, it was like, okay, I can start over. I can kind of like reset. But my old habits were coming, like guys would come over to my place. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh man, 
I don't really want that, you know, and I, I didn't know that it was God at the time, but I really, I realized that God was just like, you know, make this your, your like new place, but also your safe haven. Like, don't let any guys come over. Mm -hmm. Just don't, I mean, like, it's not like my ways were changing. It was just like, I'm just not going to have anybody over here. And it would just be my place of solitude and, and peace and, and this mm-hmm. amount. Because mm-hmm. my old place, before I moved in with my sister in the basement, because COVID happened, I lost both my jobs. And that was all wild, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we all have our stories about what, how COVID impacted us. Like, I lost my job and I had to move into my sister's basement. And, um, but that old apartment I was in was, has a lot of, like, negative memories. And so I was like, well, this new place, this new apartment is going to have good memories. And right. so what I ended up doing was, I, okay, no men are allowed here. Mm-hmm. And then um, in the middle of September, I felt like I needed to stop numbing myself. And so I started eliminating the numbing things. So I, I got off of social media and I got off of all streaming devices on my phone like Amazon Prime and Netflix and stuff mm-hmm. and when that happened it was so interesting because the theme of that whole month was like see, seeing sight like seeing things I had never seen before seeing my friends differently like seeing them more for them mm-hmm. because because I wasn't distracted with Lorraine Mm-hmm. And so I, I started seeing nature and like, I just didn't have my phone on me very much. So I, I just started seeing things. And then October 18th, 2020, I went to church and I had been going to church. Actually, it started going to church in September. Cause like, Oh, I'm alone all the time. I'm not drinking as much or smoking as much. And I'm not on social media. I'm not streaming. Like, what do I do? I go to church. Let's go to church. <laughs> so I went to church. And um, when I was at, at church that day, the pastor was talking about this blind dude that Jesus had healed and given sight to. And I was like, Whoa, okay. I feel like this is like a little bit of a monumental point. Like I've arrived to a destination. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, God, I'm listening. And he started talking about how this blind guy, Jesus healed him and gave him his sight back. And the Pharisees, these like guys, they were, they were there observing it and they had sight, obviously. But think about this, this blind dude just got his sight back. He couldn't physically see, but in his heart, he saw that Jesus was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. But these Pharisees, they had physical sight, but they couldn't see with their hearts that he was the savior of the world. Right. And that was so powerful to me because I was just like, whoa, I have been able to see physically, but my heart, I could not see. Hmm. I could not see that God was trustworthy. I could not see that I was valuable. I just didn't see. But like, it was like he made me, he gave me sight. He was, it was like he was giving me sight that whole month up to that point. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have the ability to see with my heart now. So I went like it was wild because 
I'd never really had God talk to me before. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like, mm-hmm. but in that moment, I felt this not audible, but I felt like I was having a conversation with God where God was just like, you know, I want you to trust me. I'm trustworthy, Lorraine. I want you to go up to the front and stop living for yourself and start living for me. Hmm. Just trust me. And, and I, I didn't, it's not like I was going to go up there because I felt so condemned. Like I, I was a sinner living this wild life because I didn't feel guilt for my sin. I didn't feel shame for what I had done, but I was just like, I belong with the father. I belong with God. Hmm. And yet I've been so detached from him for so long that I didn't realize what I was meant for Hmm. all that time. And so then I swear it, but I listened back on this, on this little like uh, recording of that sermon. I swear Rod, the pastor, he was talking about how if you're sick, because they never, they never invite people to, sorry about the construction, if you can hear it. They never invite people to come up to the front. Like it's very rare, maybe like two times a year. And so God's telling me, go up to the front. And I'm like, God, people don't do that here at this church. Don't you know that? (laughs) God didn't know. Like, no. Like, and also, if, if I did that, it would look like I'm seeking attention. And I'm not doing that. People, people that go up there, they seek attention when they're not supposed to go up there. Right. And so he was like, Lorraine, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for me. Mm. And I'm like, uh, you're funny. Like, I legit was smiling, talking to God in my head about how funny he was. And then in all of that, the pastor goes, if you're sick, and tired of living for yourself and you're ready to live for Jesus, come up to the front. And I was like, checkmate. <laughs> okay. Like immediately I got, I was smiling, but I immediately got so serious. I was like, I cannot deny that that was God. Wow. Because he literally spoke out of another person, what he was speaking into my heart. So I got up and I went up there and I sobbed and I just was a wreck, but it wasn't because I felt condemned or like guilty. Like it was just because I, I realized like I need to stop living for me. And I, and it was funny. Nobody came up to me afterwards and I was just like, okay, well, um, hmm, uh, no one's, what do I do now that I don't live for myself? What did that even look like? So I went home and I wrote down what it looks like to not live for Lorraine anymore and what it looks like to like live for Jesus. What did it say? And, oh, I don't know. It's in a journal somewhere. I'll probably come upon it. But one of it was, don't be hanging out with dudes and hooking up with dudes. That was one of the biggest ones because that was my biggest stronghold. Like I didn't think that I wouldn't, I didn't think I was going to ever be able to not have sex again. I mean, like I had been married for eight, nine years. And was like, well, if you're married for that long and you know what it's like, how are you going to stop having sex? I just felt like totally in bondage to, I need sex in my life. So one of them was, you know, it looks like 
living for Jesus, you you do what Jesus says to do, which is to not have sex outside of marriage. And so I wrote that down. Um, and uh, not drinking. I wrote that down. But as I, obviously, it wasn't overnight where I all of a sudden just like changed and stopped doing those things. Um, I definitely was struggling with these things, but I was like, man, I am going to live for Jesus. Mm -hmm. I had new hope and I was so excited about it. I was so excited to live for Jesus. Even if I messed up, I knew that it was going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That I was going to live for Jesus. (laughs) Um, And so basically, fast forward a little bit of time, I, I was, I got baptized the weekend after Thanksgiving. And it was so interesting because I was like listening to my testimony a while back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I said that. That's kind of cool. Because I didn't even realize what I said. And it was amazing. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through me, honestly. Um, it was just, it was just a wild, it's a wild testimony because I, I was like a baby in this whole like freedom. I got, I got baptized and I was a different person. I knew I was a different person. Um, and I had been baptized as a 13-year-old. But this is just different. Is this and online? Is, is your testimony online somewhere? No. Um, my friend has the video. She sent it to me in Messenger. So okay. I, it's somewhere in Messenger. I want to see in it. The, I'll send it to you. And so um, I ended up, yeah, I ended up uh, just being different. And it was interesting that the, it was interesting because that night, I ended up hooking up with a guy the night I got baptized. The morning I got baptized that night, I hooked up with a guy. And I was like, Lorraine, you're no different. You didn't change. But what was interesting is my heart was racing. The Holy Spirit was inside me going, this is not you. This is not who you are anymore. You know who you are. And yet you're trying to live the way you used to. And I, and I really like ignored it because I was, you know, seeing this guy and I really just ignored it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't ignore it when I thought like very soon in the future, my friend invited me to this Bible study on a Friday night at 9 PM Eastern standard time. And I'm like, who does a Bible study on zoom at Friday night at 9 PM? Like that's the night that I go hang out with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the night that I let loose and like have a a good night. It's my weekend right. it started. And so I ended up like hanging out with this, uh, or I ended up calling my friend and being like, Hey, I can't, I can't go tonight to the Bible study. Um, I, but maybe next weekend, knowing full well, I wouldn't even have gotten the following she, weekend because was she, that was my night. A spoiler alert. This was Emily Ann, right? This is your friend Emily Ann. Spoiler alert. Yes, yeah. Emily Ann. Did she uh did she really want to go to this thing? Or she had just gotten invited and was like like why was she gung ho about going to it? Uh so she was uh, she so she saw me get baptized and she knew that I love Jesus. She was just like, This girl is really like similar to my friend Serena and uh so, and Serena and Emily Ann are like best friends. And so 
Uh, and Serena goes to this Bible study and Serena invited Emily into this Bible study. So she's like, oh, Lorraine, she's like, she's kind of like them, but she loves Jesus. And she kind of is like, yeah, like she really loves Jesus. So I'm going to invite her to this thing. So she just got on it, I think, because she thought it would be good for me. And she was like, well, if Lorraine, if I'm going to invite her, I might as well get on it. <laughs> Crazy thing is, we both got on for each other. Because that night I called her and I was like, hey, I can't go. I'm going to go like hang out with this guy. Um, but baby, next Friday, she was so, she said exactly what I needed to hear. And it was in love, but it might have sounded condescending to someone else. She was just like, you know what? It's okay, Lorraine. Whenever you're ready to get serious about your relationship with God, you'll do the things that you need to do in order to, do, in order to get close to God. And I was like, Emily Ann said okay. that? Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it was it was good. It was exactly what I needed to hear. It was a taste of my own medicine because I had said something similar to her in the past about something different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whenever you're ready to like stop doing that thing, you'll stop. And so, uh, yeah, so I got on and I was like, uh, super insecure and like, okay, I got to look pretty and like, maybe I'll find my future husband on this thing. <laughs> all sorts of wild it was all about Lorraine I was thinking like you know like what could come out of this for me you know so I got on this bible study and it was weird it was uncomfortable because like I don't know how to explain it other than it was weird and uncomfortable and I think it was weird and uncomfortable because I never really experienced safe spaces or safe environments and I'm not like, I know that that's a word, that's like a, a word right now, safe space or whatever. But like, I never experienced an environment where I felt safe from the get go. So it was a weird feeling like, um, I don't know if I like that feeling. And then also people were super loving. They were all in agreement and they were just reading the Bible. But I was just like, who are these people? This isn't these people aren't the same as the people that the Christians that I'm around. And that's not saying anything against other people. Right. Um, but it was just, there was something different and it kind of reminded me of that, that teacher I had in Bible study, my Bible teacher who was different and Mm -hmm. she was, she was so vibrant and she had so much joy and she was, overflowing Mm -hmm. and that's what i was seeing in this bible study like people were like excited to read ephesians like (laughs) weird like they were like oh my gosh and this line and this like can you believe this like this is so cool like they people were pumped and they were hyping each other up and i was just like these people are too happy like saying things like yo ephesians is wild (laughs) yeah ephesians is wild yeah and, but it, the thing was, is that they were able to see the word for what it was really saying, like in a fuller way. Hmm. And so of course they're going to be hype about it because it's, it's putting identity and truth on you. Like you're just like being covered in, in all this truth that is literally from a place of love, God, you know, and 
when we are so surrounded with deception and lies and sin, we start to identify ourselves in those things that when we renew our minds in the word and we understand it, like we have spiritual eyes to see the truth and to understand the deep love within the words. It's like, oh my gosh, yes. Just like lather me up with it like a heavy cream that feels so good moisturizing my skin. I don't know how else to explain it. That was weird. But <laughs> I love it. Um it was just that that was what they were doing and they were all hyping each other up. And so I was like, okay, this Bible study was weird. I'm gonna get on next week because I need to figure out what is up. And um, I think the second week I ended up talking to Serena um, over the phone and she started asking me what lies I was believing in my life. So I got to jump in here. Yeah, jump in. I wasn't there the first week that you were there. I don't think. But the second week you were there, you asked a question. <laughs> and, I know exactly where you're going yeah, with this. And I didn't know you weren't Adventist. And I thought you were asking this question so you could talk to people about the answer that I was going to give. Okay. I mean, you were right. But I found out later it was for you. you were also not right. (laughs) So you asked this question. It was for me and it was for others because I was trying to stop smoking weed, but go ahead. Yeah. Your question was about weed. And I had just had this conversation with a dude at work because I was working at Amazon at the time and people would come to me at Amazon and they'd just be like, I feel like I need to ask you this question. I'm like, okay, what's up, dude? Uh, Is smoking weed wrong? Like as a Christian. And I don't even remember the answer that I gave this dude. You didn't give him an answer. You asked him questions. That's that's probably why I don't remember the answer. (laughs) And and so... drew the conclusion from your question yeah what do you remember do you remember what i said to you in this bible study about this because i remember that i did bring up this situation at amazon Mm -hmm. you did and that i asked questions and then you're convicted of of whatever you should or shouldn't be doing but you asked Mm -hmm. this question you're like yeah what about marijuana and so I think after the Bible study is over, we kind of jump into that a little bit because I didn't think like we were reading Ephesians. I don't think it was in Ephesians. Um, yeah, yeah. I think this was at the end of, yeah, it was in the after party, which is my favorite. <laughs> the after party gets lit. And so it does. I don't remember. Okay. Then I start having this conversation with you about yeah. marijuana And at the end of this thing, you say, yeah, because I've been really trying to stop smoking weed. So stop smoking weed. And I was like, oh, and I'm I'm (laughs) not sure if I would have answered that way at all. If I would have known that it was you who were trying to figure out because I think I was like pretty blunt. And pretty and like I said, I don't remember how Yeah, you were, but I like blunt. I I. I think that that was honestly, that's one of the best ways to get through that. That's been one of the best ways to get through to me is blunt. Like even Serena, when I was talking to her on the phone, 
she was asking me what lies I was believing. Uh-huh. And she was really, she was really blunt with Serena, me, like Serena straightforward. Is, 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 she's raw with it. Yeah. And I think that's, and God knew exactly what I needed. And she was like, why don't we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the lies that you're believing? And I was like, what if he doesn't? <laughs> like, so that was the week before oh, you got on the second time then? I think it was the after the second. Cause the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause it was it, the week before. Because it would be so funny. You would cut, and, and we were on this Bible study for a while. You would show mm-hmm. up, and it's late at night in Michigan. It's late everywhere, but it's later in Michigan. And yeah. you would just hang out the whole time, and then something would like blow your mind, and you'd be like, Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. and then a few minutes later, you were asleep. I, well, it was like one, two in the morning sometimes when we were in the after party. Like, it was legit. Like, so much mind-blowing information and, like, transformation. Like, it was just the unpacking the lies. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. And, and yeah, it was like a weight off my shoulders. It's like, oh, I realized that's a lie. And I just believed the truth. I was just like, oh, okay. You know, and I think that's why I, where the transformation happened the most for me. It was like when I was on the phone with Serena, I was just like, I doubted. I was like, is this even biblical? Like putting sin to death, putting lies to death. Is it even biblical? Like this just feels like a different religion. That's what I was thinking because I didn't understand it. And, and you guys are all like Seventh-day Adventists. Is that how you say it? No, it isn't Uh, how you say it. That's how I know you're (laughs) not a Seventh-day. So when someone says that, I know, oh, they said Adventist instead of Adventist. And so then I'm like, when you first said it in the group, I was like, oh, so she's, she's not in the club, which it's more exciting, obviously, because I'm like, you don't have the, some of the baggage. It's more exciting that I'm not in the club. Yeah, because you don't have some of the baggage. (laughs) You don't have some of the whatever. Yeah, I just had different baggage. I just had different (laughs) stuff. So so it was fresh. Fresh baggage. Um, But yeah, you just kept coming back and I would just always be watching your little square because like, as you know when you receive the truth of the gospel and it changes and transforms your life, all you want is to see other people have that same experience. Mm -hmm. And so when you see someone like that's vibing with the gospel and they're like hearing, yo, we're free from sin, like what it does. And you're just like praying, like, please God, you know, give them a revelation. But what would the, the thing that you were hearing that was the most different and that you thought it was the new religion was the free from sin thing. Yeah. Yeah. I realizing that what everybody had in the group was essentially that they no longer were in bondage to sin that, well, first they knew their identity and it wasn't just the head knowledge or the heart knowledge. They believed what the father had said about them. They believed who they were in Christ. They believed that they were actually made new. They believed that they were the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I didn't know that all at once. I started like learning that as, as I was on the Bible studies. But my whole life, I, I grew up in church, and I just didn't see this transformation. I just didn't see this like Saul to Paul experience. 
And I, and then I started to experience it and realizing one, my identity and who I was and that I was a daughter, I was a righteous daughter, like set apart, blameless. And to go from what I, what I believed about myself, that everything that I had done against people was basically what I was and what identified me and realizing that that didn't identify me at all. Mm -hmm. But because I believed that it identified me, what happened was I continued to walk it out. Once I started believing that I was just a cheater and that I was just a liar, I started cheating and lying more. Hmm. And, and then realizing that Jesus actually did put sin to death once and for all. And that in his death, burial, and resurrection, I went through a similar transformation like with him where sin became nothing in my life any longer. And I no longer had to position myself to focus on sin, Hmm. on not sinning, but that I could position myself and focus on focus on truth and the fact that I'm set free from it. And, and then what's the product of that? What produces out of believing that you no longer are slave to sin? Hmm. It is, wow, I am free and I can walk that out and I have freedom in everything. I am not in bondage to anything. Your identity was you were a daughter. Oh yeah. So I What did that do? It wasn't just I had if somebody were to be like you're God's daughter, you're a righteous daughter, I would be like, yeah. Instead of I'm a righteous daughter. Like, yeah, I am. I am a righteous daughter. Right. Whoa. Because that there was a switch. There was, I was given sight. I was able to see and, and receive this thing for the first time ever. I had been a Christian since I was either 13 or 16. I don't really know the age, but I had been a Christian. Tell me about how you and Emily Ann, because you told me this story before, we're on the phone and we're like, these people are crazy, but do we want this thing? Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is like two, three weeks into being in the Bible study and Emily Ann comes over to my place and we're talking and she's like, Lorraine, do you want to die already? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what that looks like dying already like putting my my lie the lies I'm believing to death I don't know what that looks like I don't even think it's even like in my mind I was like I don't even know like what that looks like on the other side if I can follow through with it because I was still like in a very performance workspace mindset so I was like trying to stay consistent it, like if I died I was like okay but I gotta stay consistent to dying I got to die daily, <laughs> you know, yeah. I got, I, and so I was relying on my own strength before I actually 
did die to sin or did die to the lies, did put the lies to death. Right. I, I was then focusing on performance, but then in freedom, here's the thing. It was crazy because everything changed in January. I knew everything changed yet. Nothing changed at all. And I was growing in it. Mm-hmm. And it was a really fragile time, honestly, because I was just like new in this freedom, trying to understand it. And there was for sure like lies still creeping in. And I'm just like deciphering if it's a lie or not. And realizing that I was believing a lot of junk. Mm. Even now, I've even had revelations now, like, like free in Christ. I was free in Christ and I realized the freedom, but even now I'm learning, like, for example, when it comes to, um, my victimizer, I was abused. Mm -hmm. When I think about this person that took advantage of an innocent little girl and thinking about that, like that person was just deceived themselves. They, if they understood the love of God, of their father, their heavenly father, if, if they, if they truly not only knew in their mind, but in their heart, their identity in Christ mm-hmm. and how valuable, how loved, how worthy, how precious, how like there's something, there's something big. If, the, if this person would have known that in their in their heart, this person would have never done that to me. The deceiver deceived this person, and then this person was then walking out deception, and then, like, the enemy just was using me and this this person and and um, so many other people as pawns hmm. in his game to, like, move us around and hurt each other. But it's like, Christ not only died for the sins that I committed— he died for the sins that were committed against me. Hmm. He forgave this person. And, and when I think about, uh, there were a couple times in my, in my past as a kid where, you know, something had happened in my abuse, in the abuse. And I, I remember looking at myself in a mirror and just feeling so disgusted with myself and just so broken and weeping and realizing that God like wept with me. Hmm. He wasn't like not there. He was sad that this person was so deceived and so hurt by somebody else who was deceived and hurt that it it then hurt me. Hmm. And so I had the amazing opportunity in freedom to be totally healed from my childhood abuse, like totally made new. Um, So much so that I realized I had my innocence back. God, Holy Spirit told me, and I was just, I've been picking up kids. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just goes, Lorraine, you know why you forgive this person? Because they didn't take away anything that I can't give back to you. And you have your innocence. Wow. I gave it back to you. And I I am. I'm like so innocent. And it's 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 
refreshing and liberating and, and realizing that how could I not forgive this person? I want this person to experience this freedom. I want this person to be set free from bondage. If, if, if I position myself as I am in bondage to sin, sexual sin, lying, gossiping, all the things that I was in bondage to, if I continue to live that out, which I, I don't live that out because I am set free, because I believe what God says about me and what God says he did for me over my feelings and my circumstances. Sometimes I don't feel healed, but I know that I am. Hmm. And so because I know that I am, I walk that out. And if I didn't be- like, if I believed I was still in bondage, how is that going to set anybody else free? Hmm. And it's not, again, not my work. Nothing I did. I didn't do anything. And literally, I said earlier, like, I needed a remedy. And I couldn't find it. And it would be an absolute miracle to have a remedy. Mm-hmm. It'd be a miracle to be healed. And I experienced that miracle in Jesus Christ. When he said that he puts into death, he did. Why do we question it? And then because I believe it, I literally just live it out. Why wouldn't I live it out? I believe it. I was uh, I was talking to someone this morning and I told them that I was going to do a podcast with uh, a woman who was completely healed and was able to forgive her abuser. And this person was like, yeah, you know, it's so important that we forgive because if we can't forgive, then we're not going to be able to cope with life and we were not going to be able to move forward. Mm. And I was like, that's true, but that's not the reason this woman's forgiving. Like, she is not forgiving this person so she can cope with her life better and so that she can move forward. She is, she has forgiven this person because she got a revelation of God's love for her and she saw her forgiveness and she saw who she was. And now it's almost like she can't not forgive. She is a forgiving person. And we used to, Frame forgiveness is like, oh, we have to do this so that we can move on and forgiveness is for us. And now it's like, no, we've been transformed into forgiving people because we have been changed and loved so well. And some people might not see the difference in that, but there's a huge distinction in you forgiving your abuser so that you could move on with your life and finally be happy again and you forgiving because you've been loved so well mm-hmm. that now you're a changed person and now it's just in you to forgive. Oh well, yeah. And, and realizing my source of fulfillment can't come from a person. So if that's true, then the opposite is true. A person, if, if my fulfillment comes from Christ alone, which does praise God, if that's true, then nobody can take anything away from me either. Wow. So he he can't, like, he can't offend me. She can't offend me. This, these people that might be doing something. And if, and if that's the case, if I feel offended, the question is, Lorraine, is this about you? And, and I'm not saying, like, 
obligation-wise, oh, I'm, a, I'm obligated to live for Christ now. No. With a new heart comes new desires. Hmm. I desire to live for Christ. And although I have faith, I have peace, I have joy, although I have those things, I still grow in those things. They still continue to, with the renewing of reading the word and being in intimacy with God, I'm like, I'm now on a firm foundation, Hmm. whereas before I wasn't. And so that firm foundation is identity and that sin has no hold on me. And so old Lorraine, like a new Lorraine, let's talk about new Lorraine. Can we talk about new Lorraine? She's, she's tight. I like her. Let's talk about her. I like her too. (laughs) Uh, She, it was so funny. Old Lorraine wanted to be so cool, but she was not cool at all. (laughs) New Lorraine doesn't care that she's not cool. But then she's kind of cool because she doesn't care. Yeah, it is. That, that's big facts. <laughs> so, but no, I knew Lorraine, man. Uh, it's so funny because I used to be all these things and now I'm totally different. And one of the things is like, I have been, and this is not work, so I'm not focusing on my work, but I have been able to be at such peace with being just with God. Hmm. And and I don't need false companionship anymore. I don't need to get married again. Like I I thought for a long time, even in freedom, I was like, I just, I still want to be married. Like I want to, I want to get remarried, but I'm actually really good not being married. And that is wild. Because I've never not had a man in my life. That anxiety stricken Lorraine that she's gone. Like, you're totally gone. That's so mind blowing. You know, and sometimes I will say that things pop up. Like, like if, if I disappoint my employer or, or, or I upset a friend, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll start to feel like something icky Mm -hmm. or a little bit of anxiety. But God's like, that's not for you anymore. Mm. See, you have a choice to continue to, to walk that out. But why would you, when you've experienced my peace? Mm. Like, why? It doesn't make sense. As you're growing in this thing, like like you said, there has been moments where a lie comes up and you were just telling me earlier off off the the pod that you were at like someone was at your house and you were feeling all kinds of like, you know, old Lorraine trying to creep in a little bit. Mm. Yeah, tell you that story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, what's interesting about that is, you know, I, I used to mess around with guys all the time and then I ended up going to this guy's house and I knew I knew I had this feeling like oh you shouldn't be here like you can't trust yourself and I went into the bathroom and I realized in the bathroom I was like God is like 
Lorraine, I trust you so much. I gave you my son. You're trustworthy. Trust yourself. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you're my daughter. You're a righteous daughter. So how does a righteous daughter live? Instead of positioning myself as, oh, you're just a sinner, waiting, like about to sin or going to sin, sinning in any mo- at any moment, you could sin at any time. I position myself as a righteous daughter. Well, what does a righteous daughter do? Well, I trusted myself, and I hung out for a little bit, and I kissed him a couple times, and I was like, Righteous daughter doesn't doesn't continue. Righteous daughter goes home. So I said, thank you for the great night. Have a good night. I'm going to go home. All Lorraine wouldn't have done that. All Lorraine would have stayed there the whole night. Mm-hmm. Because all Lorraine needed that validation and that person to affirm her. And, yeah. I've just seen you just kind of since January it's every time like this year I feel I still feel like we're in April or something like like this year hasn't really gone that quickly and that's when I met you in in person in, in, in April and I just feel like I've just seen you grow and more and more in understanding of who you actually are like this thing does not seem like it's going away this gospel thing, I just feel like you're growing in boldness and discernment and strength. Mm -hmm. And it's been such a huge blessing to me because like we were just talking about this, this thing that we posted on the, on the Instagram page where you uh, like are testifying in St. Joe and Mm -hmm. it's like this amazing testimony. And you're like, yeah, I don't even remember saying any of that stuff. I didn't remember it. And it was great listening to it back because I realized I was like, wow, yeah, I was so empty. And so I was suffering so much inside. And then for that to completely be replaced with being fulfilled and like so much peace and joy. And like, I was so good. It was, it was traumatic in a good way. It was like, this is like a miracle. It was a little, it was a literal miracle. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than like, how, how could that happen? It couldn't outside of Christ. It can't help happen. And I, I, I will tell you, okay. I, I know that this is a long podcast, but I will tell you, I got to tell you one quick story. Tell me. So I ended up after freedom in March getting this. And, and, and this is where I was like, Oh, really? Like, like growing, but like I was a baby in this freedom. And so I was like, it was a very vulnerable point where, cause I was, I was in the process of like diving into lies mm-hmm. and realizing truth. And so in March, I, I end up, I, I had had some health issues and I ended up getting a full blown rash all over my body, raised skin on my face and scalp on my neck, everything. I was all over my body, but like, it was visible for people to see and it itched and um, I wasn't sleeping well and I didn't know what, where it came from. And so I went to doctors and they didn't know what it was. I had three diagnoses, diagnoses and then they were, they didn't know, but one doctor said, you're going to have this for three months on my face. I'm going to have a rash on my face for three months. People are going to think I'm like 
contagious. Mm-hmm. Like I could tell in people's eyes, like, are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, old Lorraine would have been like freaking out. And old Lorraine was kind of like trying to show back up. And I was like, worried. I was worried. I had fear. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, what, what is this? I didn't know what it was. You know, I was living a very wild life. Like what, what did I get? Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's what I was worried about. And so my mind was spiraling. And all of a sudden, through that week, God was like, Lorraine, am I with you? Am I with you right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Oh my gosh. You're with me. Just like you were with me when I was a little girl. You've never left. Wow. So the the days went on. Mm-hmm. And that weekend, I was supposed to go get coffee with some friends. Mm-hmm. And and my friend said, hey, are you still going to go? She knew I had a rash all over my body. And I was like, yeah, I'm still going to go. But I was nervous about it. And that day, I woke up early. God woke me up early. And, I, and that's crazy because I wasn't getting any sleep. And I was not tired. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to, I want to go for a run. And then all of a sudden, fear came up. And I was like, oh, what if, what if I start going for a run and my body gets even more itchy? Because it was unbearably itchy. Mm-hmm. And sweat causes itchy things to itch more, right? right? So, but then God was just like, Lorraine, I've given you freedom, first of all. So you do not fear. And then second off, I've given you exercise to be good for you. And then also sweating is good for you too. So go run in freedom. And I was like, okay. So I got on my stuff and went and ran. And three minutes in, my itching completely subsided. I had itching for an entire week, nonstop. And all of a sudden it was gone. It was like, I felt so much relief. And as I'm running, feeling this relief, God goes, you remember how you thanked me for physical beauty like a month ago? And I'm like, dang, where'd that come from? Yeah, I remember that. Ugh. And he goes, what you were really thanking me for was beauty in the world's eyes, like for being beautiful in the world's eyes. Mm-hmm. But Lorraine, I've made, I make all things beautiful. Lorraine, I make masterpieces. So regardless of this rash, you are beautiful and you are a masterpiece. So live that out. And I was, and then he was like, so you're going to go to the coffee shop and you're not going to shine your, put a basket over your light. You're going to go to a mountain and you're going to shine bright. You're going to shine so bright so that they can see your good works and glorify me. And then, you know what I did? I was like, head knowledge, heart knowledge. Boom. I am a masterpiece. I am beautiful. And I am covered in a rash. And I know I look in the world's eyes ugly. But I'm like, whoa, I'm beautiful. And I'm literally running going, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. And it was cheesy and it was weird. But it was a transformative experience in freedom. And then the cool thing is now, even now, and this was in March, I see everybody as beautiful, no matter the world's view on that person. I'm like, wow, you're beautiful. It doesn't matter what you look like, but what you look like is beautiful and a masterpiece. And I walked into that coffee shop that Saturday and I was like, how can I find you in 
like so happy to be furry and beautiful, even with a rash on my body. And people looked at me weird. And my friend go, my friend is basically like, wow, you're, you're really confident. Like you're really confident with that rash. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure am. Because it's Christ in me. Like he has given me my identity. I am what he says I am. So what the world says I am doesn't matter. And I could relate to so many people. And like that thing that Dan Muller talks about, like, and this was so resonating with me. It's like people like make orange juice, right? With oranges, they squeeze oranges and they make some orange juice. And then they take the cup and they start to drink it. Oh, whoa, it's apple juice. Wow. Weird apple juice from an orange. Why is it not weird when people squeeze Christians through circumstances and everything but Jesus comes out? That should be weird. It should be. And and that was that was what I realized. I was like, enemy's going to squeeze me when I have this rash and Jesus is going to come out. So I cannot wait to see what Jesus does in this circumstance. And guess what? Within four days, my rash was gone. Not three months. My rash was gone. That was crazy. And it was literally like not a thing anymore. I had another time. I'm sorry. I had another time where I get this. I meet this girl and at church and I'm sitting with her. I'm like, well, I walk up to her and I'm like, Hey, can I sit with you? She's like, yeah, sure. So we become friends in the stretch of short period of time. The next week I'm in my bathroom, brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden God's like, somebody needs to sleep on your couch. And I'm like, what are you talking to me? Because it was weird. That was February. That's a month after freedom in Christ. And he, God's talking to me. And it just is weird. I'm not used to it still. And so I'm like, are you really telling me somebody needs to sleep on my couch? Who? And I'm like all disheveled and got my brush, toothbrush in my mouth, <laughs> just, just waiting to hear what he has to say. And he doesn't say a thing. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess you'll tell me whenever you want to tell me. And I go about my merry way. And I'm like free in Christ. So I'm like happy all the time. So I'm like going about my day. And all of a sudden the next day I get a call from this girl I met a week prior at church. She goes, I know this is totally out of the blue and random and you don't really know me, but can I sleep on your couch for the night? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, wait, you don't want to know why? And I'm like, no, girlfriend. God told me yesterday you needed my couch to sleep on. So for, for sure, come over. And that whole story is just totally mind-blowing because this girl is free in Christ too now. This girl has had complete transformation in her life. And um, God planned in advance before he told me somebody needed to sleep on my couch while I was brushing my teeth. He told me, he told me, Lorraine, don't let any man in your house in advance for this girl. I told her when she came in that night, I said, I only have one rule. No men are allowed in my place. She's like, that's a that's, that's exactly what I needed. God knew that was exactly what she needed. He is like pursuing us, whether we know it or not, whether we see it or not. And that was the crazy thing is through this whole process of my life, he has always been there, always pursuing me and loving on me. And I, I just didn't see it, but it didn't mean that he wasn't there. 
And then all of a sudden, now I'm walking in the truth that he's always spoken over my life. And it's the most freeing, liberating experience. And it's literally heaven on earth. If you can see, like, it, listeners can't see my face. I've just been smiling this whole time. And we're going to wrap this up with this, and it's a different question than I usually ask. But uh, mm-hmm. what's the future look like? What's the future look like? Yeah, what is the, the new Lorraine's future? What does it look like? I mean, just totally free. Like, I, I hate being redundant, but I don't – I am – I've never been an articulate person, but it's so cool because I know that God has equipped me. And so why not be simple? Why not simplify this for people who have similar ways of thinking like me, you know, like what is, what am I in the future? Whatever comes my way, whatever happens, I literally now have a firm foundation and my cornerstone is Jesus Christ. So what, I don't know what's going to happen in my future, but I know that nothing's going to change when it comes to who I am in Christ, that nothing's going to ever separate me from the love of God and what he has for me. That's awesome. And Rich, you, you, you got to ask me the question though, that you ask everybody, like, what would you tell? All right. I'm trying during this whole time. I'm like, when, when are we going back to and I feel like we're going back to uh, the first time you and your boyfriend break up and you start tripping out and you get mm-hmm. crazy, anxious anxiety. What are you mm-hmm. going to tell that girl? Well, the Stuff to Life podcast were not here during that time. We're not available to that girl. But you know what I'd tell that girl now if she was here today? Yeah, what would you tell her? I would I'd tell her, listen to all 48 Death to Life podcasts. And I'm not joking. That is not a plug to your podcast. The, the true change, the, the reason, the way that God got me to yeah. see was through transformed lives. Oh, wow. And I saw through, I've listened to almost all the podcasts and go to pretty much every Bible study I can through Love Reality. Um, And like, that's what helped me to figure out, oh, I was believing a bunch of junk. And that's what helped me to, that's what God used to help set me free. So I would tell her, get on the podcast ASAP. Um, Because there's, like, if you can't, if someone can't relate to this podcast, to my story, you can relate to another one in there. So, like, if you're really hungry and thirsty, which I was, I was really hungry and thirsty. All my other pseudo fake remedies weren't working. And so I got to the lowest point that I was at and I was searching. So if you're really searching and hungry... For, for truth, you will find it. He is there showing it to you. You won't be blind anymore if you want it. But that's the thing. It's your choice. I think. 
Love you, Lorraine. Thank you so much. Love you. I'm so glad we just see me. Shot, KOD, only talk, holy things. I'm a prince, that's Rakeem. Yeah, that's Rakeem. 23, check the rings, FOG on my feet, on my soul. Jesus Christ, set me free, son. Free, yeah. Only motivation on me now is heavenly. Lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. I talked to God, told me people's not my enemies. I'm cutting ties with the spirits trying to play with me. Gonna go shoot. Can't stop till we make it to the moon. It's too late, can stop it, it's a boom. No, I cannot wait till you approve. I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride. Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive. Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive. We stay alive, hey.